Hey, Bald's Magic. Hi, Kimmy. Hi, Alex. How are you today? I'm fantastic. I'm even better that we got our equipment fixed. Yeah, we were we we had a little bit of a, a rough go there with some equipment. We did. I had to do all the things, and but we're back. Yay! Hey, Alex. I'm Kim. Hi. Pro- 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 pronouns she her. I am married to Alex. I am your friendly neighborhood lesbian <laughs> reporting for duty during Pride Month. Hey. <laughs> I feel in there, Kim. I'm good. I yeah. mean, I'm as good as I think anybody can be these days, right? Yeah. How are you? Exhausted and ridiculous. And I'm just kidding. Yeah. Exhausted and ridiculous. And um, we just got done watching the insurrection hearings from January 6th. And I get to tell you, it brings it all back and still fucking mad as hell. How mm-hmm. about you? Um, Still, still fucking mad as hell. Yep. Yeah, I'm very, yeah. I, I, I was kind of thinking about this and I'm like, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if there's ever going to be what I'm going to feel as justice or many people are going to feel as justice, but I believe the historical documentation is really important. Yes, I agree. So we're not going to talk about the insurrection though. No, That's we're not. not. Our podcast is about just know we're watching it and we're mad as hell. <laughs> yes, we have a lot of um, things to talk about today. And in case this is your first time tuning in. My name is Alex. My pronouns are they, them. That means I'm non-binary. <laughs> That's hey. what it means to me. That's what it means to you. you and I'm are, transgender. Yeah, you you, you, you are under the umbrella for you. You uh, identify as transgender, yep. trans mask. Um, Otherwise, what Kim refers to as... <sighs> <laughs> Glad you feel that way because we're married. Yeah, we're married. Yeah. We've been married. We got married on November 19th of 2021. We did. It was the best day ever. And it's been a blissful few months. Right next to the day where I, you know, met you for the first time. Yeah, it was like our anniversary is is November 19th, 2021. Yep. So we're what, like six months in? Seven months in? Yeah. Yeah. How's that going for you? Fucking fantastic. Yeah, it's been a nice couple months. Mm -hmm. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. No, it's no. June. So of course, you know, because we're queer and we have to talk about queer things and pride. <laughs> it's pride because everyone wants, wants to hear about pride. Everybody wants Let's to hear about talk pride. about pride. Make the queer people talk about pride. Pride is awesome and it's a resistance and it's also really exhausting. <laughs> I mean, really, like I was just saying before we, we, we pressed for core, we shouldn't even have pride because we should just be able to be. We should, but at the same time, I understand, and we've oh. talked about this so much on this podcast, like it's important that we recognize it. Oh, of course. But it's also like pride's exhausting. Uh-huh. It's, it, I don't even know what, it's June 9th. Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. I've had to be more social in the past nine days than like yeah. in two and a half years. I'm exhausted. <laughs> How are you? I'm exhausted. I, 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 it's a, I'm I can't believe it's only the ninth. And I, I do feel like we're like 20 some days into the month already. Like, and it's so wonderful. Everyone's like happy pride. I'm like, and at the beginning of the month, I'm like, happy pride. Mm-hmm. And now it's June 9th. And I'm like, happy pride. <laughs> I guarantee you by like June 30th, I'm going to be like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> we woke up on June 1st and we were like, happy pride. I love you. I love you. We're gay. Yay, it's our month. Yay, we're queer all the time. We are resistance. And then June 30th, what's it going to be? Fuck off. 
<laughs> but not to n- not to each other. Not to each other, but take your rainbows and shove them. <laughs> I am exhausted. <laughs> I have had joy and resistance for 30 days. I have been social for 30 days. I can no longer take humanity. You've exploited my queerness for three whole days. <laughs> Which I feel like is part of what we're talking about today, isn't hey. it? Hey. Um, I think the title of this one. And thank you, Youth Scene, for sponsoring us, as always. We wouldn't be here without Youth Scene. We wouldn't. YouthSEEN.org. They're having a camp this summer in July. Well, before they even get to camp, Youth Scene is is also, um, they also the, the founder of Youth Scene is also the founder of Black Pride Colorado. Yes. Lots and of events. next week, just rolling with all of our pride stuff. We have like three or four events next week mm-hmm. in support of Black Pride. Mm-hmm. We are going to do an evening with Nick Stone. Um, so if you don't know who Nick Stone is, she's an amazing writer. Dear Martin, dear Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, she is coming in to do kind of like host a little author chit chat with, with with people. Um, and, and, and anybody can come to this. So you can go to Balls of Magic and buy your tickets. We are also going to the Strange Fruit of of black excellence, mm-hmm. which we're very excited about. It is a Harlem Renaissance party. We get to get fancy. We're going to get fancy. And I even got, I've never worn one before, but I looked up like, cause they said like, you know, wear something that's going to feel kind of like this time. And so I had read that a lot of women wore fascinators, which I didn't know like the name. What's a fa- yeah. What are the, what is that? It's, so it's like a peacock headpiece. Uh-huh. And then it has like a little like veil that you wear just like over your eyes and like almost just like across the tip of your nose. Oh. So I'm wearing that. Don't it, you think that sounds like fun? It sounds super fun. Did you get one? I did. Oh, okay. it comes tomorrow. Oh. So I can start figuring it out how to put this thing on my head without looking like a moron. <laughs> For those of you who like haven't seen me in person, I'm not the most fashion forward person. I like black t-shirts, sleeves or no sleeves. I like jeans and Birkenstocks. But that's good fashion. I mean, it's a uniform that I wear every day. I have a black t-shirt on right now. Yeah, you hot. Yeah. You are like the king of tank tops. And it, honestly, if I had your arms, I would wear tank tops all the time too. It would be January and I would wear a tank top with a scarf. <laughs> Clothes are so boring. You should never wear them. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember, well, your mother listens to this podcast. Remember what she said last night? My mother. I love you, mom, but no. <laughs> Bro, friend, we got a story to tell you. To, to be continued. To be continued. Okay, but so our thing today, though, is talking about how pride is a mixed bag. It is. And so I guess we're going to start off with a little bit of a high, right? Mm-hmm. Like a high pride. So um, for, for for our listeners, we live in a really small, well, it's not that small anymore. It's probably like, what, 30, 35,000 people mm-hmm. live in our little town. I guess to me, that's big because the town I grew up in growing up was like 10,000 people. Okay. Like it was super small. Like my graduating high school class was a hundred people. Oh yeah. That's okay. So it's tiny. Yeah. So, and then I went to New York city Yeah. where, you know, like talk about a, a beautiful tapestry of people. I loved New York mm-hmm. and now I'm here and I live in Erie, Colorado, which is, is where we are. I won't say our address, but it's, it's a smaller town. Mm-hmm. We've got a main street. We do. We have a main street with like little restaurants and coffee shops and um, little gift shop. It, it's really cute. Mm-hmm. Like we we're really lucky to live here. And I will say 
Erie probably has on all the front range, probably the most spectacular views of the Rocky Mountains. Yes, it's very hilly and it has, we can walk just down our street and see amazing views. And it's like the full front range you can see. Yeah. All, and it's just, it's absolutely stunning. Erie is, is, is really beautiful and it's, it's a privilege to live here. Not the most diverse place though. Not so much. And so a little bit of history. So Erie has never held a, a pride celebration. This was their first year that they were going to do it. And I'm going to talk about pride celebrations in a minute too, with one of my coworkers. Um, but the town had said, so the town actually didn't put on the Erie say, pride it wasn't celebration. The town. It wasn't the town. It was an organization called being better neighbors, mm -hmm. which I think I may have talked about on this podcast before. So if you're not familiar with them being better neighbors, you can look them up on Facebook. It is a, it is a, it is literally a nonprofit of Erie neighbors that said, we need to start engaging in conversations around equity as neighbors. And then they started putting on events. So they did Juneteenth last year. They're doing Juneteenth again this year. I know they did some um, memorials for Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Um, they host what they call front porch sessions where uh, different neighbors host conversations from their front porch about things you need to know about race. So it's a really cool organization. Um, and Should so invite people over to our, our front porch. I mean, I guess we could, but we don't really like many people. <laughs> so there's that. We don't really like being social. So there, there's that too. <laughs> there's that. I mean, we like being social with our like small group of friends, but outside that we're always like, mm, okay, we're, we're going to get more into, into peopling as we go through this podcast. We're going to get into peopling, people, pe peopling. Oh yeah. Peopling exhausts me. Okay. But anyway, getting back to being better neighbors, they said, Hey, we're going to do a full on pride celebration. Yeah. And, um, one of their volunteers, this woman, Christina, she was the chair of it. And she asked you and I, she said, would you guys run the entertainment for this? Yes. And we were like, no, we will not do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was like, can you please do it? And I was like, oh, I really like this person. And yeah. oh, I really, I really like this town. And, and we could make it really cool. We could make it really cool. Yeah. So we did. We did. We had a mini pride last year. It was like at a park. It was at a park, and there was a few vendors and an ice truck and a and a unicorn on a. We're not gonna talk about the nope. unicorn. No. And um, yeah, some face painting, and it rained and it poured, and so they they like most towns, like some towns do parades and marches, but from the five queer families that live in Erie, mm -hmm. <laughs> at least the five that spoke up we've been saying for a long time, like one of the things we just really want is to be connected. Yeah. So like, how can we create a space where it's like, you're actually meeting other queer families and queer, you know, and queer kids see other queer kids and queer families. And it's just this bubble of rainbow deliciousness. Yeah. I mean, I was walking down the street with, with, with our, our youngest. And I was like, we, we, I know it feels like we live in a bubble of like, we're the only queer family and we're so not. And we're so not, which was awesome to see. Yeah. So the, this is not a mixed bag. This is like a, this was really like a joyous afternoon. Mm -hmm. So we had a whole main stage and we had felony misdemeanor and Zara, um, cheer Colorado, um, vertigo road. Uh, who else? I'm trying to remember who else came to perform. I think Vertigo Road is actually called called Sure Thing. Sure Thing. Okay. Anyway, sorry. No. Yeah. I'm I'm learning too. Um, king Von Spanik um, was a was a drag king. Um, Shirley, Shirley Delta Blow. Oh, Shirley Delta Blow was amazing. She yeah. came and did 
drag queen story time. And then she did like a, if you've ever gone to drag queen school, which is really fun because you do it to a Celine Dion song. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, it was an amazing day. And here's the thing when we were on the planning committee, we were like, well, and there were, and there were vendors and food trucks and beer trucks. And it was, it was really, really fun face painting for kids. Um, beautiful uh, soap vendor called lather and repeat was there. Um, it was just, you can look all these things up. You can go to the Erie town page too. If you want to support these, these people that brought their business, their P flag was there. Um, parasol patrol. Like it was an amazing day. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing. And so the interesting thing though, is that when we were in planning, we were like, maybe like 500 people are going to come. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of chatter on Facebook pages of like, this is, this is child abuse that they're having drag queen story time. Like, oh my God, why don't you just like fly your ignorance flag for everybody to see? Yeah. Like, yeah. So there was like the standard bullshit. And do you know what, did you read like the final number of like what the, what the Erie PD said showed up? Um, I think I saw like 3,500. Yeah. 3,500 people came. Yeah. And let me tell you, it was joyous. It was. There were people dancing in the streets. There were kids dancing. There were families dancing. We had, we had some people on roller skates. Like it was an amazing day. It was. And I, we, we have to give a shout out to um, DJ Drake Dawson. Oh, he was amazing. Who DJed, moving. Yeah. DJ our wedding and he, um, he kept the party going. So like this pride celebration, which I honestly, like I showed up with, with bro friend, cause you were already there mm-hmm. and bro friend was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I don't feel like being here. I don't want to be the poster gay kid today. I don't want to have to be the one that's like, oh, look, a gay person. I'm so glad we put on pride for them. Like not what I wanted to do. I'm like, it's Saturday. It's Sunday afternoon. I'm fussy. I'm tired. I don't want to talk to people. And I got there. And then maybe like 20 minutes later, I saw people in full on pride garb dancing in the streets with like giant wings. And I was like, Oh, I'm so glad I'm here. Which speaks to the power of queer being, you know, queerness is joy. Mm-hmm. And just being around the energy is contagious and makes Beautiful. everyone's life better. It was joy. It was pure joy. And I yeah. loved it. So I want to do like, a, can I do like a quick little shout out for sure? So if you're in the state of Colorado and you're listening to us, I got to shout out my colleague, Allison Berg, um, and she spells Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, last name B-E-R-G. She is one of our multimedia journalists at Rocky Mountain Public Media, and she is taking the entire month of June to cover pride celebrations in towns all across Colorado. So like, if you are interested in learning more about like where pride festival might be near you, Mm -hmm. um, and then also understanding and reading the impacts of what these pride festivals can do for people, her reporting has just been stellar. So follow Allison Berg, Rocky Mountain public media. You can find her on Twitter at at Allison Berg, um, or just like, I don't know, ping us on how to be queer at gmail.com. We can, we can add her links you can add her links, yeah. but she, her coverage has just been like, shout out Allison. Like you are amazing. And I love the coverage that you're doing. Okay. So none of this is like, so when we're talking about like pride being a mixed bag, our next topic here is, is pride in large organizations and how it feels yucky. And then some other stuff that's happened. So we get, we give you both, right. We're going to give you the joy and then we're going to give you the real snarky realness. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably more snarky realness than I'm just kidding. There's, there's equal parts. 
So Alex, tell me, how do you feel? Feeling kind of spicy right now. Okay. okay. Keep, keep going. I like when you're spicy. Okay, sometimes good. you'll just drop something and I'm like, Whoop, there it is. Yeah. Oh my God. That was like such an awful nineties reference. Is that song from the nineties? There it is. When did that song even come out? In the nineties. I remember being marching band and Allison Gentilly would, we would mark out our spots on the field to do like a whoop. There it is. Well, and then we would always say whoop there, there, there's my spot. Oh, wow. You guys were really cool. We were super cool. Shout out to Allison Jindilly from marching. So you were like, you were the coolest marching bands around. Yeah. (laughs) Whoop. There's my spot. There's my spot. Whoop. There it is. And we just saying that song okay moving on anyway (laughs) okay so when you see like can we just break down like when we see all these organizations and i mean like corporations all these places that are like it's june 1st here's all of our rainbow stuff how Mm -hmm. does that make you feel you know my relationship with this has really shifted over the past year as i think my own um level of awareness has shifted and it used to i used to be like oh my gosh yay like rainbows yay rainbows i mean because there was a time where i was too scared to to even put a rainbow on my anywhere my body in fear that actually someone would think that i was gay oh my god that's so funny because every day you usually wear some type of gay shit i know every day yeah although today oddly i just said that and i'm like you have no gay shit on today i don't but you can look at me and be like yep (laughs) you are also wearing a very tight tank top (laughs) i am super short hair tight anyway so yeah so where was i going with that rainbows rainbows yeah you would not even want to wear them before yeah but um i guess i'm trying to really speak to is that i there was a time where i did not understand the depth of pride myself, Mm -hmm. even as a queer person. And so now coming into like understanding more of the layers and able now able to recognize more recognize when, when organizations are being maybe perhaps on the more on the performative side, maybe on the performance, maybe, or yes, on the performance. (laughs) Is is there no black and other, I mean, there's no like one or the other with you either are, you aren't. Yeah. I, I, you know, so what makes when we're saying like performative, like, you know, that's where it's like, you're, you're doing something to basically center yourself in, in the action Yeah, where being genuine allyship is you're centering the activism. Yeah. So if you're wanting to sell rainbows and be like, Oh my God, I love pride. And I want to go to a pride celebration and I'm such a wonderful ally. That's performative because you're making it about you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That is not what allyship looks like. And, and, and so it's a, I, 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 we have the perfect title for our podcast today, which is pride is a mixed bag, mm-hmm. right? Because I love when, like, so last night we went to forget me not down in Denver mm-hmm. and they had, um, a pride flag hanging. And so like, we'd never been to this bar before and we were going to a restaurant around the corner and I'm like, Oh, we got time. Let's go get like a nice cocktail or whatever before. And I'm walking up to this place and I see a giant rainbow hanging from their rainbow flag. They had the progressive flag out hanging from the front porch. And I was like, I am so happy to see this, this flag. Here's what made this place so that it wasn't performative, which is what I loved about it is when you went to go to the bathroom, what were the bathrooms? Um, All genders, all genders. Yeah. They were just like single stall bathrooms. 
And, and so that's me as I'm like, right. If you're putting gender affirming bathrooms in your restaurant, yeah. hang your fucking pride flag. Yeah. Right. And how easy is it to slap up with like a different, I mean, really it's not that hard to do hard. it. Right. And then I noticed that they employed people that I, I would, I would clock them at probably being in the queer community. Mm-hmm. And then even one of the women that was working there, she had her fingernails painted in tiny little rainbows. Yeah. And she was kind and gracious and welcoming. Um, I never felt, I don't, we weren't genderized at all. Like nobody said you like, Hey ladies, what can you like? You could tell that they had just had some intentionality around their training Mm -hmm. and the way that they made the space affirming. So I'm like, that's, that feels great. Like, thank you for wishing us a happy pride. You didn't just slap a rainbow on your restaurant. You actually made sure that like people were trained in like not using genderized language mm-hmm. people like you knew that, Hey, we've got to have some bathrooms that are gender neutral. Hey, we're going to make sure we greet you in ways that is going to feel welcoming. I'm like a fucking plus to forget me not. Right. Cause that's like f- frontline customer service. Like if you get, Hey ladies, right in, in the very beginning, you've lost, you lost me. Right. Like don't put your fucking rainbow flag up Yeah, because you obviously didn't train your staff to assume that not everybody's going to be the gender that you think that they are. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I guess like, I really liked being in that space last night mm-hmm. and it felt really good when somebody said to me, happy pride. Yeah. Oh, Go ahead. Oh, I was just say, well, and, and just, just to name a couple or other organizations and we've, we've talked about them before, but Nordstrom a plus is great at, um, actually walking the walk. Yeah. Um, what else? I guess, you know, I go to like some of the bigger like corporations and, Mm -hmm. you know, you can do things like look at their advertising. Are you seeing in their advertising representation of what might be, you know, gender non-conforming? Yeah. Um, Like there's some places, like I definitely notice like some of the more mainstream, like makeup places like Sephora um, and Alta. I've noticed a lot with like their representation there, they are doing a really good job of making it be like makeup is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not this genderized heteronormal woman thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that they have more non-binary or just all sorts of different looks that go on. So like, that's another place that pops into my head where I'm like, yeah, like there's, there's some signs of allyship and here's the thing. It doesn't happen. They're not just showing that advertising and advertisements in June. It's through, yeah. It's throughout the whole year that you see the representation. Yeah. Um, Target's another one. They they do stuff all year long, and they just launched or partnered with uh, Tomboy X, which right. is a, a prize. Tell everybody what Tomboy X is. They basically make um, gender neutral um, clothing, all sorts of things from binders to underwear to swimsuits to shirts and shorts and clothing. But, um, as a trans person, as a, as a, as a non-binary person, your undergarments are really important. And even though you might be wearing, you know, affirming clothing on the, on the exterior, if you are wearing garments on underneath that are not affirming, that still affects how you feel about yourself. So So can you tell me like, like when you say, so is, do you mean like, so even if you're a trans mask, masculine individual or trans man, but you still might have to wear like a, what we would consider like a, a feminine or, or woman's, I don't know how to say it, but like a, like a bra yeah. that can really mess with you. Yeah. I remember when I first 
started to unpack my gender, I was, you know, it was almost, it was easier when you looked at the two things, it was easier to put on like a t-shirt and some like men's pants, but, um, changing my undergarments didn't actually come until later because it was, it was intimate. It was like the things that were like laying on my skin Mm -hmm. underneath. So, um, so I would wear like, you know, my clothes, but then if I had basically like ladies panties on, there was a time where I'm like, yeah, I just feel like I have ants in my pants. Cause I, like, I couldn't, I wasn't comfortable. I mean, there's nothing worse than wearing not properly fitting undergarments, right. but you're talking about, I mean, it would fit properly, but it just didn't feel right. It was, it was knowing, it was knowing what I was wearing, but also still too scared, scared, still not, maybe I should just say, maybe re- reframe that in a different way. Not ready to wear like a pair of boxer briefs, wear a pair of boxer briefs. Were you worried just because of what it would say about you or like what you think it would mean? I think it contributed to every step I made, even down to my clothing, down to my underwear, every step I made that got me closer to me was a risk. It was still like some, some step towards a true, a part of myself and something as simple as underwear, but it was like, it was still a step Mm -hmm. that like I had to take that wasn't, um, wasn't, didn't feel easy. Yeah. And were you able when you were finally, like when you transitioned to like, look, I'm just going to wear the underwear that feels right for the gender that I I feel, which I don't know if you like, is it weird for me to like you wear, you wear boxer briefs. Yeah. So were you able to find like the stuff that you needed pretty easily? Like, did you just find it online or like, how did you even start to decide what was going to feel right? Well, I love Adidas. And so I, I think I just went to like, I saw, I don't even, I, I forget at Costco, like they had Adidas boxer briefs, you know, at Costco. And I was like, it, it felt like a novelty at first. I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to try some of these. Mm-hmm. And then it just becomes like, well, right. This is, this is just what I wear. It becomes mm-hmm. a part of your uniform essentially. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess my mind goes to, you know, for people that like, you know, it, I guess I go back to like when I was a little kid and I remember my mom and I shopping and it was the first time. And of course I don't know this for sure. I'm making a little bit of an assumption, but we were shopping and I saw um, there was a trans woman that was in the store with us. And I remember being really fascinated Mm -hmm. because on some way I was like, I visually was looking and I'm like, this is a really interesting presenting person. Yeah. And at the time we didn't use the word transgender. We used different, we used, um, I'm going to say just for like educational purposes here, because we don't actually use this word anymore. But we, at, my, at, at the time my mom was like, oh, that's a cross-dressing person. Yeah. My mom wasn't unkind about it at all. She just explained it to me. And I was like, what is happening? Um, but I say like the actual word, just because sometimes, you know, language evolves and mm-hmm. you don't know, unless somebody says like, oh, I don't use that language anymore. It's yeah. much more affirming to use the word transgender. Um, so that's the only reason I mention it, but I, I do think back to that person and I'm like, gosh, it couldn't have felt super great to have to go out into the store and be in like a women's, you know, department store area and, and having, and trying to like pick out things that were going to be affirming. Yeah. 
I imagine like that wasn't easy for this human. Yeah. In central Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, if I take a step, a step back, like, you know, it's it as a, as a, a assigned female at birth person, you know, the acceptance of wearing men's clothing was, is more accepting than mm-hmm. like a assigned male at birth person wearing. Um, oh, I know. And that tells us so much, doesn't it? Right. So I guess I'm, I'm kind of pulling in what you're, what you're saying and just remembering too, like I, when I bought my first Bo- pair of boy shorts they were in the 90s and I but I was still in the women's mm-hmm. section and so I was still basically safe and but I remember like this feeling of absolute euphoria of getting to getting to buy b- boy shorts and- yeah I, I mean there was a whole period I think it's so interesting watching how fashion changes and then I want to like go back to something you just dropped here but you know, if you look at like the fashion that, cause you know, I, what, I graduated high school in 94, I was in the co- in college in, in the you know, mid to late nineties fashion was, it wasn't super feminine for us at that time, Mm-mm. whatever feminine means. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of like flannels and overalls and, you know, tank tops and, you know, cargo pants. It wasn't, you know, I look at the, the, you know, girls that age now. And it's very much like crop tops and short little shorts. Like I, I'm like, thank goodness this wasn't in style when I was a teenager. I think we got lucky that it was like the baggier, the better yeah. and like Doc Martens and wide leg pants. Um, and I'm wondering if that's all, I know the wide leg pants and Doc Martens have come back. I'm mm-hmm. like, why didn't I save this shit? <laughs> I would be so fashionable and hot right now. Um, but the, the underlying thing is the point that you just made, which is we find it very socially acceptable for girls girls, quote unquote, to dress yeah. in quote unquote boys clothes. Cause there is, I mean, clothes are clothes, right. Um, but it is not for boys. And that tells us everything that we need to know Yeah, in the way that we still value femininity and girls in this culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Yep. Oh, okay. How's that feel? You're giving me a funny face. Oh, I'm like, let's move on. Move on. <laughs> You're uncomfortable. No, I'm not uncomfortable. I, I think I, I, I look. I'm just, I'm just thinking. Maybe I just get too, too caught on the, on the uncomfortable. Well, I but, guess the point being that, you know, we kind of like went on a detour here, which is shocking for this podcast. But <laughs> if you're a part of an organization, and yeah. you've just decided in the month of June to pay attention to LGBTQ chances are you are in a performative space. Yeah. Slapping a rainbow on your, on your up front of your store. Yeah. Changing your logo out for pride month. (laughs) Look, now we carry rainbow cupcakes. We're so inclusive. Yeah. So I think if you're looking for ways to actually embrace the LGBTQ community, it's really asking, what are you doing all year round? Yeah. Are you creating affirming spaces for people of all sorts of different identities and sexualities and orientations? And if you're listening to this being like, well, I don't even know what that means. This would be an opportunity to lean in and figure that out. Yeah. And it is not on your staff who is of LGBTQ <laughs> um, represent, uh, they're, they're not here to do that work for you. Like, please don't put that on their shoulders. Yeah. 
there's plenty of resources that you can go out to, to figure out what you need to do. It's yeah. not up to your LGBTQ staff. Some of us don't mind it, but don't, yeah, assume. Don't assume that we want to do it. Yep. Um, your next note on here is, but I didn't know if you wanted to talk about the one place that you have worked and how their approach of pride. Did you want to talk about that at all or no? I a, a little bit. I think I think what um, I'm seeing is that that there are aspects of change that can happen mm-hmm. overnight, and when a large organization, um, a fitness you know, organization that are health, like, yes, you have a lot of clubs in the country and even around the world. And also you, you're a well, well-oiled machine, like having, I think, and I know there's, there's aspects to this that I'm missing, but I think being a person, a queer person who walks into, um, you know, the facility that I, I work at, like, I get that some change happens over a long period of time and, and there are changes being made, but also like there are, there are things that you can do like right away. And so when you hear, I just get frustrated. I get frustrated in like, well, why is this so difficult? Why, why, why can't every single club and every single place, you know, do something like you, you will send, you know, every club, seven days before it launches a 30 day challenge mm-hmm. and say, do this now. And everyone rallies and does it. So why is it so difficult to not do why, why is that not happening with, with something like pride where you're like, you have, you probably have a considerable amount of queer employees that you're in your, your organization and um, saying that like, Oh, we just couldn't, you know, pull together or oh we only did it at a, at a certain number of clubs or we the, no I don't fucking care that's bullshit mm-hmm. and and now I don't want to be part of any pride celebration because it's my own it's my everyday life and every fucking class that I teach I'm up there talking about trying to drop some aspect about what it means and then move move it through to be like you know this is the class and I just get like I'm just, the more I learn, the and I guess it's good. I mean, I mean, the more I learn, like kind of the more frustrated I get and the more like, this is not that hard. I, I don't think it's that hard either, but I think what we're, we're really talking about is that this is dominant culture, right? right? It's the dominant culture of heteronormativity yep. that it's just, Hey, we don't even notice that we're not being inclusive because the majority is heteronormative. Yeah. So you don't even see it. You don't even see that. And, and, you know, you, you can read Peggy McIntosh, who's done a lot of work around invisible knapsacks that we carry. Mm-hmm. Um, the most famous ones are the, the invisible knapsack of white privilege and then the invisible knapsack of heteronormative. Yeah. And so it isn't that hard, but you have to be willing to understand the impacts of what dominant culture does. It almost erases your ability to see anything other than what the majority of people do. Yeah. And so typically when I have found that people tell me, oh, it's just, it's just too hard. What they're really saying is I'm scared. Yep. I don't know what to do. And I'm in self-protection mode. Well, and that's what I felt like too. Like, no, 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 no. You're, you're scared of, of the straight white members that are, that are going to raise hell. 
Yeah. Or like, you're, or you're afraid of getting it wrong. Are you Okay. Yeah. Like there's a lot of different fear, but yes. Yeah. I mean, most of it is like, well, we, we don't want to offend our straight members. Right. Right. Or I'm not a part of that community. I, I don't know actually what to do to be inclusive. Yeah. Like these are just hurdles that people put up that I'm like, if you really wanted to, you could, you could clear that hurdle pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about why you're not. Yeah. And only, you know. Yeah. Um, and when I see, you know, you see it, you see it a lot in anti-racism work. You, you see it a lot in heteronormative, heteronormative spaces, but for organizations right now, like every organization to me, you should be instituting some type of training around gender affirming spaces, mm-hmm. gender affirming ways to interact. Um, it is not terribly difficult to do, but like, we have to change that narrative of, oh, it's just too hard. It's actually not. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't get they, them. I don't get why we need bathroom. Like y- you actually can do this. It's not that difficult. You just have to be willing to be vulnerable and to admit that you need to learn. Yeah. I think, yeah. It, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm gonna give yeah. myself a minute here. I'm going to give you a minute, but I'm going to say that one, one of the other common things, like I hear from people when we talk about this is they think that they have to do it by themselves. Well, I'm going to be the one that's going to institute this change. I'm going to take it there. We talked about that a couple of days ago. Yeah. And it's just a reminder, like, it's not about one person doing anything. Right. It's about creating a space where everybody does it together. Yeah. And so, and can't use shameness. You can't use shame and you can't use woke. Yeah. So how are you going to create an environment that's like, hey, I might not be part of the gay community, but I know that I have a value around belonging. So how do we build that? Because not one person builds belonging. Not one person defines it. Yep. I'm just learning. I'm learning. Oh. That's, I'm, I'm, that's, my, that's my learning phase. Okay. Well, let's, let's move out of learning things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think, I think with the, um, with, when we talk about personal stories with being in and working at, at an organization, it's very, I can, my brain will make it very personal. And so it's like, you know, how is this affecting me? Yeah. And then, then I just kind of get like emotional about it and then, you know, pissed off and like, yeah, cause I'm having to go, mm-hmm. I don't go into, you know, yeah. So I'm going to give you the word of like <laughs> what they're doing to you. Yeah. It's tokenizing. Yeah. And, and that feels really horrible. Yeah. And I, th- I keep just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like you, you become, I've become so used to, well, Alex, you've got the family bathroom. You can go in the family bathroom, right? That's the one bathroom for a, how many thousand foot square facility, the, the one bathroom and the one bathroom they've told team members to not go through because it's for families. Right. But you're going to tell your queer non-binary person that brings in a lot of people every week in, in their one class to not go in that bathroom. Right. So I'm just like, yes, I'm angry. I'm still pissed off. It's been well over a year. Like, I don't give a fuck that, that, that it's, you know, we've been around for 13 years. Like you can, there is, (laughs) I don't see you get mad very often. I think, I think, um, you know, maybe I'm getting, because I've called this place like a second home. Like yeah. I really, they, they've spent, they've been with me through, through a lot. And 
I just, I'm trying to understand and hold a lot of compassion. And I listen to, I've talked to a lot of different people and I'm like, I just don't, I do. And I don't like, I'm just so frustrated. I'm like, why are these certain things? They're just now putting, um, training the managers on gender. They're, you know, they're just putting pronouns on labels. Like it's, it's, Yes, I know. I'm trying, and I'm also like, I'm gaslighting myself, like, okay, I understand. Yes, yes, I'm trying to excuse it all. But like, the fact is, I'm fucking pissed because right. it doesn't make any sense. And I go in there every day and pour my heart and guts into it, trying to make a difference. And everyone's like, can you just like step aside and like hold a little bit more space for us because we're not there yet? Well, I guess it's that statement, right? We're not there yet because the way that that feels, whether it's around anti-racism or it's around homophobia is so I'm waiting for you and for you to get comfortable recognizing the dehumanization that happens to me. Yeah. And that is, that is something that I see happen a lot, whether it's around um, anti-blackness, whatever, you know, whatever, however you want to name it, it is, a person who is a part of the dominant culture saying, could you just wait for me to get comfortable and then I'll work on creating a place of belonging. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, you know, for you being the person that's impacted, you're like, yeah, no, cool. I'll just sit here with, you know, feeling completely dehumanized until you feel comfortable. Yeah. It, it's, it's the first year that I, I'm no longer willing to be tokenized. Mm-hmm. Like I, like in the years past, I was like, cool. Yeah. I'll totally do a, a pride and it's pride themed. And I'm like, no, no, there's no pride theme. Do you even know what pride is? No, my guess is they do not. You're going to, yeah, you're going to, you're going to let's teach a yoga class with a rainbow on it. Like, no. And then, and then go to, go to, you know, um, you know, we just, we love and, and, you know, like whatever we're all going through. I'm like, but in your class, you have 30 different people going through three different things and all of them are whole people. And you just can't say that, like, let's just throw this love as love anyway. There's so but I many. think to, I think to do your point though, is like to just do that in June. Yeah. That is performative. Yeah. That if you really valued your LGBTQ clientele or, or employees, you would be making sure that that love is love and all are welcome here is done 12 months, 365 mm-hmm. days a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we're at June 9th. So they're what going to do it for half the month. They're going to do it for one class and say, Oh, we're so inclusive. We did a gay yoga class. Yeah. Slap a check mark on that. That's done. Well, boy, I'm glad we solved that inclusion thing for the gays. <laughs> I mean, it's absurd and yeah. it's insulting. One, one class, one, one evening at the end of the month. So again, like, if yeah, they're I'm hanging out. rainbow flags, I'm going to be like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, anyway, so there's that, there's that, that's our (laughs) feeling on, on pride in large organizations. If you are looking at, to get more information on how to be a more inclusive organization, take one guess who you can email. (laughs) Okay. Alex, the next thing on your notes here, it actually says this, Alex got smeared. (laughs) With transphobia and dying to know first the word schmear 
Yeah, well, it's a I, very I, triggering I, word. I stole that from um, <laughs> Einstein Brother Bagels. They have With the schmear. You and schmear makes me think of. Oh dear. Did you, no, what? no, no. It's totally clean. Oh. Do you remember the show The OC? Mm, no. Okay. Y- I, yes, but I never watched it. I like loved the show. I loved Adam Brody. He like totally cracked me up on it. Okay. But the dad that was on it, he yeah. always talked about his bagels and schmear. Okay. <laughs> and I so want carbs now. Carbs and fat. That's the fucking thing in the world. <laughs> FYI, I'm still on my diet and no, it is not going well. <laughs> Although you did make me a delicious detox drink today. I did. And a very, and a very clean lunch. And a clean dinner. And dinner. Thank you. You're welcome. I wonder if I'm going to feel better tomorrow. Let's hope. We did not eat a, a pound of cheese and butter like we did last night. So we should be good. Listen, carbs and fat are my best friends. They have kept me comfy and happy until I hit perimenopause. And now they're like, fuck you, Kim. They 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 produce like serotonin and dopamine or something like that too. Because they're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and they want me to eat them all the time. <laughs> Okay, back to the schmear. I know, but your note says Alex got smeared with transphobia. Yes. This is a very, do you want, how do I just, just drop right into it? It's a very, very personal story. It's, it's totally up to you what you want to yeah. share. I'll be here to provide color commentary. <laughs> so um, one of the things I have l- learned as this this involves the the dynamics between um, putting myself in harm harm's way um, and versus um, when you have a trans child what you will do to protect them mm-hmm. and so um, I had a conversation with someone who I think well intended kind person but also very unaware and basically smeared and i if you imagine like a a can of paint that's maybe like slightly old and kind of goopy and like like thick Ew. that you know stuck their hand in in the goopy paint and like just said my therapist told me to not talk to you about this but i'm going to anyway and then smeared the paint all over me. So the comment the, the paint being transphobia. Okay. Okay. So the paint, so she, th- this person is, is grappling with their own transphobia, right? Yeah. But, but, but thought I tried, I kept trying to name it. I'm like, this is really this and later said, said, this is really transphobic and how many, how it, she didn't See, yeah. understand it. So she basically takes her transphobia and is like holding it in front of you and says, my therapist told me not to talk to you about this mm-hmm. and then proceeded to talk about it and like smear it all over you. Yeah. I remember literally like bracing for impact where I was like, oh God, here it comes. Can we just like break down that like one little piece, like regardless if it's about like your transphobia or whatever, but like yeah. when your therapist says to you, mm-hmm. don't talk to this person about this because inevitably what your therapist is trying to tell you is this is your shit, not theirs. Yeah. And you're inevitably going to cause harm. What makes you think, let me completely ignore the advice that I'm getting from a paid professional. (laughs) I'm just going to do it anyway. You know what it tells me? That person is more interested in their own self-interest than in the harm they inflict on other people. Yeah. 
It's not okay. No. But it hit you pretty hard. Um, I was working from home that day. Mm-hmm. You came home and I'm looking at your face. And you know how you know this, like listeners, you know this with your spouse or your person. Yeah. When they show up and you're like, what the fuck happened to you? <laughs> you left and you were like, the sun is shining and it's a beautiful day and I'm so happy. And yeah. you came home with this look on your face like, what the fuck? Yeah. I, I'm the kind of person that like, um, I, I do need a little bit of processing time. And so I came home and told you what happened. And then it was like an hour later where I was like, Oh God, I felt. And then it kind of like comes out. It comes out. Cause I, cause I did say to you, I'm like, um, honey, you might say that this is okay right now. I guarantee you as you sit with what just happened is not going to be okay. Yeah, And it totally came to the surface. And it totally came to the surface. So like, I don't think you want to go into the details of like what this person was working out, but it was a little bit of like trying to understand the, the relationships of like just families and the mm-hmm. different identities that might live in a family. And there were some boundaries that were crossed in the way that she was working some stuff out that again, like the therapist said, this isn't about Alex. This is about you. Yeah. Completely ignored it. And then if you, it, but I, I guess like, if you are, if you are trying to like work through your own understanding of something, don't do it with a person of that identity. Like that's so harmful. Yeah. And even her saying like, but you, you, you seem I, I, like you're really open and you're really, and I'm like, I, and then owning, I, I did not, I, you know, I stayed in the conversation. I had the choice. I could have said, you know, I can't do this right now, but, um, I should, I was, oh, and, and highlighting even within our own, even within our own community, it doesn't matter if, um, you can be gay and be transphobic. Absolutely. So that's an important piece of it. Um, and we talked about it before the difference between sexuality and gender, gender identity. Well, and I, I think there's within our community, there's still a lot of, like you just said, like there's a lot of, um, not understanding the differences in that Yeah. because for some folks, they do kind of brush up and bump up against each other Mm -hmm. and it can take a while to unpack and sift through it. And, and, and I I get it. Like it, it, for a lot of people, it doesn't feel separate. Um, and then other people just are like, you know, they just see it as all one giant umbrella is queer and they don't necessarily see the nuances between it. Yeah. And then for other people, I'm like, I, I absolutely feel as a cisgender woman, like I'm a cisgender woman, but I'm a gay cisgender woman. Mm -hmm. That's very different, right? Because I don't actually understand the experiences of a person that lives in some type of gender fluidity or has moved off of the binary that was assigned to them at birth. Mm-hmm. These are different things. It's different things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since that happens. How do you feel now? Um, I feel I, um, as I work through, as I work through it, um, the work I do on my, on myself, one of the big things that I, that I had to dive into as I looked at myself essentially was, was my own boundaries and that I was so used to, um, having none. And, and so I had, I acknowledged it, but held my boundary of like, I had guilt, I had guilt around, you know, I've hurt this person. Um, I've distanced, you know, myself, um, what is she going to think they're going to not understand? And, and also at the same time, though, having a lot of um, 
groundedness around my decision, which, which shows actually how far I've, I've come in, Mm -hmm. um, in, in, in building what a boundary really is around protecting my peace and my emotional and safety and, and well, and our family's peace and emotional safety, like that really matters to me. And I'm not gonna, I've learned to be able to identify um, transphobia a lot, a lot quicker. And, and, and also being the position as, as a parent of a trans kid, like I have to, um, I have to be able to identify it because I could put my kid Mm -hmm. in in harm's way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me more when you say like, I could put my kid in harm's way. What does that mean? Um, well, Because of, I could, I could unknowingly put her in situations that are, are, are dangerous for her. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, and she's just a kid Mm -hmm. and it's not her job to, to know that stuff. Um, and so for, it's my job as, as her parent to educate myself around, uh, understanding her to the best that I can of who she is and, and just being like, you know, she, she has, because of who she is, she has to deal with, with things. She has to deal with the world differently than a cisgender kid does. Mm -hmm. And it's just the way it is. Yeah. And, um, I can't, I can't, I have to, you know, I want to teach her, you know, resilience and, and compassion for people. And, um, but yeah, emotional, did that answer your question? I think so. I guess, you know, when we talk about, about boundaries, I think one of the things that took me a really long time to understand about them is that like, I, I guess I had always sort of been taught like, or at least in my own, you know, ignorance of, of not being able to really look at it, that boundaries was a way of protecting myself. And then understanding that boundaries are also like, because that person is going to need protection from me. That's, that's like inevitably bumping up and not, and not respecting it. Like a boundary for me is to be like, look, I need, like, it, it's not just about what you're going to say to me. It's what I'm going to say to you in reaction to this. Yeah. And so that's sometimes because I can be real quick with my, with my words mm-hmm. and they can be cutting, Yeah. especially if you like, if you cross or trigger me. And so I've learned like, a boundary is not just me saying like, I can't have you say these things to me. And so I'm laying down this boundary, not just in protection of me, but in protection of you, mm-hmm. because I'll be honest with you. If I had been there in that conversation and someone says to you, my therapist told me not to work this out with you, but I'm going to, I think I would have been like, you need to stop. Like just that statement alone tells me an awful lot about you and that this conversation is not going to be safe for Alex. And inevitably it's not going to be safe for you Yeah, because I am going to annihilate you for treating my wife this way. Yeah. That they're here for you to work out some transphobic shit on that you think. And it tells me a lot about where that person is, that they value their understanding more than your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah. And like, don't scorn a lesbian wife, man, because we will, I'm, I'm super protective of you. Mm -hmm. In that particular conversation, I had so many things run through my, my head within a matter of seconds. It was like, 
I see what's, it was stuff like, I see what's happening right now. Um, this, I need to, I need to protect. Um, I need to center a friendship over myself right now. And it was just like, you just make those calls in that moment. And mm-hmm. um, I still ended up, the outcome was the same. And I just, I think that that's, I'm, one of the things I'm working on is getting, because I am terrified. I'm working on that, on that thing of being like, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to like hurt someone's feelings. And like, that's my bullshit that I have to work out and, and, yeah. and work on. So being really aware of it in my head was like a wind for me and like, okay, I'm going to take these hits and then I'm going to leave and I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to come back. Which is what you, which is exactly what happened. You wrote them a letter. Yeah. Yeah. And said, this is not okay with me. What happens? Right. And it will not happen again. Yeah. And you are going to respect my space. Yeah. Cause what I would have done, I, I wouldn't have gone off verbally. I would have, I, in my head, I wanted to just turn around and walk away and not say anything at all. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been an acceptable response though. <laughs> but your point being like, there's, there's children that are friends involved here. Yeah. And you know, you don't want to, you don't want to blow that up for your kid. I yeah. understand that. But at the same time, like, I'm going to tell you when we, when we are inevitably going to see this person again, and I will be vigilant and being like, yeah, no, we're not doing this. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is not Alex's to work out for you. Yeah. And the fact that you think that tells me an awful lot about you. Well, and it, and it, yeah. And it makes a lot of sense why a lot of elementary kids and families and parents, um, and I'm not saying one, one way is right or, or better than the other. It's just like why they live stealth because there is an element of safety and, and protection and, and, um, it's, it's not, it's sometimes the kid, it's the parents you have to worry about because mm-hmm. once they're in middle school and high school, they, they're a lot more, they're a little bit more able to advocate for themselves. And, um, you know, so like your kid, not, sh- not sharing with their best friend that they're, they're trans, like it's just, there's so many layers to it mm-hmm. of, um, parenting that a cisgender parent doesn't have to have to, they should. Well, I would say that. And I'm like, you should be talking to your kids about all of this stuff. Like this should not be. Yes. Parents should be, which is again, why some of these stupid bills that are coming out where it's like, Oh, you, we can't talk about these things are so utterly harmful and ridiculous yeah. um, because it just furthers that. In, like if you, if it's something that you can't talk about mm-hmm. or acknowledge, it immediately makes people link it to like, well, we don't talk about things that are bad. Yeah. Right. Um, or, or, uh, I, I, the word is escaping me right now, but like it, it seeds this, this underlying grossness fear that there's something wrong Yeah, and it's so it's undesirable. You don't talk about it. And, and I think for parents, like we, I'm sure we have a lot of parents that listen to this, like you should be talking to your kids about all sorts of different identities and just normalizing what it is. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is born into a body where the sex that they assign you at birth, it's going to match the gender that's in your head. This is not complicated. Yeah. But as adults, we make it super complicated because it's rooted in our own fear and ignorance. Yeah. It reminds me of the time when, when a a little kid asked me, are you a boy or a girl? And the mom was like, don't be rude. And I looked at the kid, like, I looked at the mom. I'm like, it's, it's fine. Like they were being, it was 
this authentic, like I've been taught that a boy looks like this and a girl looks like this. You fit neither of those. And I'm really wondering, are you a boy or a girl? Mm -hmm. And I just, I remember saying to the kid, like, I'm just me. Mm -hmm. My name is, you know, and, and the, the kid was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But the, but the mom being like, don't be rude. Like, don't ask those questions. Like, I'm like, actually it's, it's, it wasn't asked in a rude or disparaging way. Yeah. It wasn't rude at all. I I'm a really amazed. And I talk about this in training a lot that we've really been conditioned to not like lean in and ask questions. And again, I'm not referring to this woman who openly was like, my therapist told me not to do this. Like woman, you need to listen to your therapist, right? But in everyday kind of like just understanding other people's lived experience, or even if you see something that you're like, gosh, I I don't know that that felt right for that person. Like, I just want to have the courage to ask them. I'm really amazed sometimes at like how we've been conditioned to think that like respectfully asking for more clarity or information or, Hey, like, I don't really know much about that experience. Would you mind sharing with me? Mm -hmm. And then just accepting the answer that somebody gives you. Mm -hmm. Right. So like for parents, I'm like, it's not harmful. If somebody would say to me, like, you don't like, are you gay? Like, are you guys married? Like when kids ask, we're always like, we're just us, we're married. And they're like, okay, cool. Like, do you want to go see this toy? And I'm like, no, I really don't. I don't like playing with children other than my own. I don't like talking to kids other than my own, but I I'm, I'm always amazed even through training. I'm like, I'm trying to get people to see, like, you just want to have the courage to ask the question Mm -hmm. and show, like, I don't actually have the answer, Mm -hmm. but I'm asking a question to be like, maybe this isn't about me. It's about you. And I don't know what's going to feel inclusive or safe for you, but I'm afraid to ask mm-hmm. because number one, I don't know the answer. Yeah. And, and sometimes we're socialized, especially as women to be like, you have to have all the answers all the time to everything. Yeah. And so it becomes a really scary place to be like, I want you to feel welcome here, but I don't know what that looks like. Does that root in, into like the perfectionism that we're taught? Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. White, white women in particular, and the, the, the role of perfectionism and that we have to show up in all sorts of spaces that we just never make mistakes, never show vulnerability, always show that we have it together, compete against everybody else, which inevitably makes us turn around and oppress women of color. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all connected to me, but I don't know. We're like way off topic again. But I guess that's okay. No, yeah. We're just, yeah, we're just chatting. We're just chatting. Um, I feel like we're, we're, we're like at the end. Are we at the end? I was just checking our thing. I think we have a, a little bit more time. We can, we can talk about this last little section of, this, of trans. I would love to, cause you wrote something in here that I just, it melted me. Well, um, I won't take, I can't take, I'm not going to take a, a, I paraphrased a part of it, but so I really enjoy actually have a mild healthy obsession with a look, <laughs> a, a large healthy obsession with a look. <laughs> I'm obsessed with you, a look. Okay. Um, I just find you, I, I just find that, that them very, like I'm speaking, a look, are you listening? <laughs> Please listen to Alex. They love you. They um, just really speak to so they're, they're so brave. And, and anyway, Go find them. They're on lots of different platforms. A-L-O-K. So, okay. So this thing I'm talking about is they spoke on Goop Lab, your favorite 
podcast and TV show. I have issues with goop, but I know. Anyway. Um, so Alok speaks with Gwyneth Paltrow and they're having a conversation. One of the things that Alok says first, um, and I guess on a side note, I sh- a little, a little mild introduction. Alok is a poet, an author, a speaker, a performer. Um, so b- breaking gender binaries, they're non-binary and they're transgender. And they say before shame, we were free, which means we were born free. So I was born with a heart and two lungs and no shame, which like made me pause in the middle of Costco and, and pause my cart, pause the podcast and was like, I just need to stand here for a second and pull that into my body, let it go everywhere and understand it. Cause I was like, wow, to live without shame. Well, I can't fathom that. I feel like my entire world was built on the concept of shame. Yeah. And, and I think pride, a part of it is dismantling the shame of who you are. I completely agree. So um, then they move on to say that our, our intuitive voice. So as we talk about this idea of healing and, you know, deciding to do the inner work and there's all sorts of different ways that people do it. And it's, it's never ending. Um, uh, one of the things that I, I started that, that, that spoke to me was in therapy, finding my voice again. And so Loke says our intuitive voice is emotionally neutral. Um, it just knows. And then fear warps our reality. Um, and, and for, and for them, when, when they write creatively, um, you, you can get to your, your intuitive voice, which speaks to like artists who express themselves are really speaking with their intuitive voice. Well, I also go back to Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. Yeah. And she refers to this as the knowing. Yeah. And she would say she would go into her closet, I think, mm-hmm. and would just get really quiet and just sink into what she called the knowing, which I think is the same thing Aloka is talking about, which is your, your, again, your intuitive voice and it just knows. Yeah. But it can be hard to find it, find it because it's so buried under shame and fear and guilt and anger and resentment and rage and all these other emotions that keep us just alive, like surviving. Yeah. Do you think it's the same as like, you know, like how we'll like, like, just like in passing, be like, listen to your gut. Like, is your gut, the intuitive voice, that feeling that you have like deep inside of you, like, I know what direction I have to go. It's just, if you have the courage to listen to it and do it. Yeah. I think, um, I remember saying years and years and years ago to someone, um, that I would, I felt like I would feel things in my gut and then, and then they would happen and it scared me. And I think, um, part of the work has been, we all know, but are we quick enough and aware enough to catch it and to, and to, and then to listen and then, and then to be able to hold on to that, that voice and then to live with that or through that. But so many of us, I think, and myself included, it's, I mean, at some point in my life too, where you're just trying to get through 
And so you ignore your yourself, your gut. There was someone that um, in in that podcast too, uh, Alok was quoting like a, a, a psychologist or, or a, a, someone who was doing research about, you know, the gut is the first brain. Right. Yeah. From the vagus nerve, right? Yeah. The vagus. Vagus the, nerve? The vagal vagus nerve, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. So that gut instinct is, is there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of science behind it. You know, I, I absolutely resonate with my guts are usually like, I will check my gut, right? Yeah. I really will sink into it. And then sometimes what comes up is all of the, the doubt, the shame, um, you can't do this. Um, everyone will hate you, you know, and as I've gotten older and more secure in myself and who I am, I've learned to, like you're saying, like all those things that are covering the gut, I've learned to identify them and dismantle it and move forward. And I have to tell you the thing that helped me listen to my gut more than anything, I don't care what someone else thinks of me because my worth does not come from what other people think. It comes from what I think about me. Mm -hmm. And it took me a really long time and probably a lot of therapy. Hi, therapists. I hope you're enjoying all the renovations you've been able to do (laughs) on your houses because of me, but it serves me. And then inevitably, like, I feel like I do good in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause when you can, you can, I've, I, I, I think we all get those pangs and are we viewing it, our gut through a lens of fear and scarcity and worry, or are we viewing that pain as a signal? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like Aloka saying, you know, it's, it's emotionally neutral. So you feel it in your gut and right away, we want to label it like something's wrong. Like I'm in danger. Like you're, you know, what's it called? Your, um, your uh, part of your brain that's like the that fright the, the primal brain the flight or fight yeah that's like that program us programs us to just you know protect yourself and stay alive mm-hmm. um but that when you can get through like oh no 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 no, no. i'm actually safe physically what not, now what is this this telling me why do i feel this in my gut so can you read the rest of this? Cause this was really fascinating. Yeah. So, um, Alok talks about, there are, they're speaking about, about trans people and gender non-conforming people, gender fluid people, non-binary. And, um, they're basically two predominant reactions when people see authenticity and authenticity being, um, trans non-binary, uh, gender fluid. And usually the first one, um, you, they're either magnetized by it, and it basically says, uh, communicates, teach me, you, you pull someone in, or that person is repelled by it. And basically what the person that's getting repelled by the authenticity is what they're really saying, it's, is, wait, like, what do you mean? I, I get to, I can live free too. Like, I don't have to compromise my authenticity for the comfort of other people. And then Aloka saying that we're seeing this being staged at the international level. And so, and so for those of us who are magnetized by it, the ones who are saying, okay, I see you now teach me. Um, The secret is most people don't even know that they are suffering. And most people don't even know 
that what they're living is complete unhappiness, grief, and depression. And they're so used to pain that when you, when you start advocating for the right, for what you want to wear to be your true self, um, other people see it as a luxury, not Mm. an essential thing that all people should have. So a look goes on to say, you know, basically, um, what trans people are doing is that we're showing others that they're actually in pain and then they dismiss us by saying, well, it's just cosmetic. That's a luxury. You just want to be a snowflake. You just want attention. You're just trying to be different. But really what they're saying is, wait a minute, I can be free too. You're doing it. And, 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 and I'm, I'm not. And so then people get faced with this question of like, what do you mean I get to be different too? I can be unique. Um, They're faced with all the risks that they have not yet taken, Mm. that now they are seeing that are possible. Mm -hmm. And now what does that mean for their own life? And they're faced with the brutal question of, am I willing to stop being in pain to find out what it really means to live? It just, that hits me so hard. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It just, it, it's, it's, it, you know, you're putting into language and a woke is putting into language. Yeah. And I understand that this is, you know, specifically you were saying like, this is very, very um, aligned with non-binary and transgender um, identities, but I also really aligned to this to queerness mm-hmm. and, you know, if, and I, I, I'm just going to speak from personal experience with this that when I came out, I had people react to me in two ways. I love this. Wonderful. I'm so happy for you. And then I would have people that were like, what the fuck, what does this all mean? And what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. Not, not me, Kim, like them. Yeah. And it we was had, this, you had more of that than you did. I did. I had more people that felt like, what does this mean for me? I knew you as this way. And what does it mean for me? And I will tell you the more like space that, and this has been years and years and years and years and years now. But when I look back on it, I'm like, this is a direct correlation to how those people felt about their own lives. Yeah. It's exactly what you're saying that the more security a person had, the more ability that they had to freely be themselves, the happier they were for me that I found it. And for people that were still and still might be cloaked under, I don't get to live freely. They fucking hate watching me do it. Yeah. And they try to shame me and cry. And what does this mean for me? Blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, it actually means nothing for you. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Yeah. It, I mean, you're really challenging. We, we I, I found I, I, you challenge their, their entire belief system about what, um, I mean, that's if it, if it gets down to like, you know, behavior and um, that our belief systems fuel our behavior. Well, and my, my belief system yeah. is that I want to be a person that values individuality mm-hmm. and, 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 and freedom and individuals and peace with yourself. These are all things that I value. And really as a mother, I value those for my children. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this on here before. How in the world would my children grow up to know being you is actually really important? 
and being okay with yourself is actually really important. Yeah. If I was not willing to do it myself. Yeah. So. And that's, I think that's one of the greatest gifts a parent can give a kid hmm. when the parent lets themselves, even if it's midlife, even if the kids are, you know, a teenager or, or an elementary school kid, you know, it's never too late to be yourself because people, your kids like authenticity, it just makes everything better. And I think kids can tell, yeah, right. They can tell when, um, I, I, I feel like a very different mother than I was when my kids were born. And I know that I had a very different situation in, in which my kids were born into, um, because it was just me and them. And, yeah. um, the three of us had been a little unit for a long time until, um, until we weren't. And, um, I think I was so prioritizing people not knowing me that I didn't let anybody see me, including my own children. And I could get very wrapped up into what are the things I'm supposed to do instead of what, what fuels us. And, um, I think people can get wrapped up into, there was some piece that the Colorado sun did that was talking about, like, even, even people, like the more money that people made, the more they were almost living paycheck to paycheck, Mm. which was really fascinating to me because it, it correlated with like, so you just never have enough. You never really feel like you have enough. And is that materialism fueling you hiding something else? Yeah. Cause I, I will say like, since I live the life that I do now, which is, you know, you know, and again, it's been a long time, um, that I've been out, but the simple pleasures in life, they actually really do give me a lot of happiness where before I was able to just be me, I was always looking for something to fuel that happiness. That was artificial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find, yeah. I find so much joy in, in just the simple, like sitting outside, looking at the sky, sitting with you. Yeah. It's not to say like we, cause we live with oh, a lot. Yeah, we do. Yeah. I don't mean to make it sound like we're, you know, living in the back of a bus and we're like, let's go. Oh. You're like, no, like I love my house and yeah. I like my, and I, <laughs> I like these things. I guess it's just a sense of peace that I have. And I have mm. a sense of peace with much less because I'm not looking for something to fuel that happiness because yeah. the happiness was like, I get to be me. Yeah. You know, this actually, I'm going to, I want to, say this with this just because this reminds me a little bit of of the thing that I wrote um about with my birthday mm-hmm. and the biggest thing I, I'm not going to read the whole thing well actually I did read the whole thing mm-hmm. um you shared it with us a couple of weeks ago I did but I want I come I'm coming back to it because when I look back in my 20s and I was saying I want to be this wise you know 40 something year old and that I um thought it meant, you know, having certain things or, and, and yes, you know, things and is nice. But, um, at the time I did not have internal peace. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it doesn't matter where you are. If you don't work on finding and, and feeling internal peace, I I think you're fucked. (laughs) Yeah. And like, and just, I guess I'm, I'm not saying it like the best way I want to right now, but just, I guess having so much gratitude for where I am that I I don't think I'm like a super wise 40 something year old. I just, 
feel um, internal peace. And I do too. Um, and I do think you're, you're a pretty wise person. Well, but I also get your point of like, I feel I, it, here's the thing when we talk about the work and I always hate when people say this to me like, Oh, you got to do the work because I'm so literal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck is the work? Someone tell me what the work is. Right? It's this vague concept of like, well, how are you working on yourself? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. <laughs> I, I get it, but I think for me, the, the work is I have peace with who I am. Yeah. Right. Like that feels peaceful, but sometimes I still really fuck it up. Oh. Like I bro friend looked at me yesterday and was like, are you kind of like, you kind of asked me in this way, like, you know, am I, am I showing up for you as a friend? Am I giving you what you need? And I'm like, I don't even know how to ask for what I need sometimes. Like that's still work that I have to do Yeah. to be like, I'm, I'm peaceful with, you know, with me, I am, I am queer as fuck. I am, you know, married to you. I am devoted to our, our kids and my parents and our, our family that we've chosen. Um, I am absolutely a staunch fighter for equality for everybody. Um, I have core beliefs that I'm like, yes, this is so who I am. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like there's days that I feel very lost sometimes, mm-hmm. not in who I am, but how, who I am and how I interact with the external world from me. So I can still, and I think this is what a is talking about, like that shame can creep up yeah. where I'm like, you're too loud. You're too aggressive. You're too over the top. You're just too, you're mm-hmm. too all these things. Yeah. And so my guts are telling me, yeah, you, you kind of are all those things. <laughs> so how do you not dull it? And just be like, yep, I'm, I'm being too loud. I'm, I'm being too in your face about what I want you to do. I'm being too rigid in the ways that I want us to get there. And I'm not asking for fucking help from anybody. Right. Yeah. Well, and this makes me think of brings back when you, when you talked a little bit ago about, about question asking, Mm -hmm. like you are one of the most, uh, you are like, one of the best question askers, you know, like you're really good at that. I think for those of us, uh, um, not everybody does that. And you do that really well. Thank you. I'm endlessly curious. Yeah, that is, but I have had people that have said to me, like, Kim will ask you questions forever. So you have to tell her to stop. (laughs) I'm like, well, I'm genuinely curious about a lot of shit. Yeah. And so I am going to ask questions and I, and I mean it from a place of like, I genuinely want to know who you are. Who tells you to stop asking questions? Oh, I have, I used to, I used to have someone in my life that would be like, could you just stop? Mm-hmm. And I am like, but I, but, but <laughs> I want to know all the things. It's just who you are. It is. And so that, yeah. but that shame piece comes in Yeah. where I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not, gonna like if somebody lays down a boundary with me like I'm gonna respect it if somebody's like well I don't really want to talk about it be like okay I'm sorry just you know you know I'm not gonna like trample all over somebody's boundaries but I just wonder like how do you get to the place and please don't just tell me that this is the work because then I'm gonna be like no I need a plan (laughs) yeah I need a detailed plan of how to get there what happens when you're like okay so I know who I am and I'm okay with who I am 
but how do I start to learn how to interact with the outside world as the person I am and not the person I'm hiding? So this is, this is so fascinating because I was thinking something similar in this, in this past couple of months about, so I was thinking about with gender, you know, when bro friend told me to go back to the beginning, go back to who you were when you were a kid. And so like, I looked at it from this one window of like, you know, five-year-old Alex, let me unpack my gender. And then I kind of went through that. And, and now I'm in that, I, I get what you're saying. It's like, okay, I know who I am. I know my gender. I know kind of like how I'm like moving through the world. And then I was reading something that basically connected that like, oh crap, now I have to go back again. And, and because my gender was only one part, it's only one part of us. Right. And, and, um, so now I have to go, go back again to, to the beginning, essentially as a kid and remember, um, that that's part, I mean, it it is kind of the work, right? I think so. And I think, yes, like, and I can see like from, from the perspective of, you know, having to unpack your gender yeah, in a world that was like, definitely not affirming that it was, it was accepted and encouraged to do that. Like, what do you, you got to get through? Like you're saying, like, how do you even get to the other places of yourself? When I would say understanding who you are to just the core of like your body parts and what's in your head and how you feel like those are just so fundamental to who we are as people mm-hmm. that when you're having to spend a good part of your life unpacking that, how much more I would imagine you do have to go back and unpack other parts of yourself. Yeah. Cause that would take up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So go back, go back to little Kimmy when you were. Yeah. And, and I would say like the person I was as, as a young kid, like, yeah, that's still kind of me to this day. Yeah. Um, what I'm learning to unpack is that when people get, I, I was going to say the word mean and maybe mean isn't the right word, but when people try to shame me out of being that I need to continue to see it, that that is a reflection of them, not me Yeah, it is taking me and I'm still working on it. Yeah. But think, yeah, think about, you know, we're, we're, we're teaching our kids that. I hope so. Yeah. We have a lot of language around, you know, it's okay to ask questions like, you know, ask, you know, yeah. I know this stuff that we didn't get as a kid. No. And I, and I, and I, you know, I had, I have really wonderful parents, but I don't think that they were ever, I I don't, I would have to ask them when I see them next, like if they ever feel like you know, they gave themselves permission to just be, just be who they are. And it's harder because I think the longer you go in life without examining that, you can feel really like, is this who I am? Or is it just that, is this who I've accepted? People told me I am. Yeah. We're getting like, it's this like existential, like very, I don't know, but you have me talking about all the feelings and usually I like to do all of my chronological shit on here. I was just going to say, we're going like into like a 3d model right now. That's in every direction. Does that mean we can stop? (laughs) (laughs) Bro friend, are you laughing yet? (laughs) Okay. My head hurts and I've examined myself too much. And this mythical thing, Alex tells me of you have to do the work. I'm like, what the fuck is the work? Somebody just tell me what's the work. You don't feel that way, do you? I um, find it, the work incredibly 
um, exhausting and fascinating because uh, for me, I've told myself and come to uh, the understanding in this moment right now that it's never ending, that I'm going to, I have to, I've, I've surrendered to it never, it will never end. Like I, I will never, I want to live always discovering more things about the people I love and myself, which and that's is what you think the work is, which is the work. Okay. Yeah. And so it's kind of like aligns with that. You are endlessly curious. Yeah. And so you're where you're at, I think, because you have been doing the work already and, and in a way, like you don't overthink it, which is really quite inspiring to me. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Yeah, I just like don't... fumble into this life, like head first. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you're the, I'm yeah. Like your, your way of looking at things. Yes. It's very kind of like strategy and tactical, but it's also, you know, it's direct, it's full of love and compassion and kindness and it gets shit done. And so like you, the, the way you move through the world, you, um, you do and are, and are going to lead this world, making it a better place. I would like that. Like you, much. you've already succeeded in a sense in, in, in that. So, so there's just, there's more for you to do and you just keep doing that. Keep doing what you're doing. It's working. And I'm doing the, I'm doing quote unquote, the work. I think you are. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I asked myself a million times, like what would Kim do? I don't know what Kim would do. I really don't like, I, 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 I'm, oh my gosh, I'm actually like tongue tied for once. And it's because we're talking about feelings, (laughs) fucking feelings. I really did just get to a place where I was not interested in what someone else's definition of me was. Yeah. I'm just not interested. And I don't, I didn't need to have my self-worth defined by what someone else thought of me. My mom said this to me the other day, because we were in, I had to, I had to draw a very strong boundary with someone. Like, I think it was like a week ago. Okay. And in drawing this boundary, I'm like, there is a really high chance. This person is not going to like me when I do this. But I felt like drawing that boundary was right. Drawing that boundary aligned with where my values were. Yeah. And my mom said to me, my mom was like, you're really brave, Kim. And I was like, I don't know that it's brave. Like, I don't know if that's the word I would use, but I will say, and this is for all my queer folks out there. When you have to go to the extents that you do to just be you. Yeah. And to, to, to face in the, and to do that in the face of people who are determined for you not to, mm-hmm. whether through their own heteronormative shit or their own transphobia or their, you know, homophobia, whatever it is, their inability to understand themselves. And then they're all going to talk about you and everybody's going to discuss you and everybody's going to have shit to say to you about what they think you should do. And you are able to hold on to yourself through that and still stand there and being like, I don't really care what you say. This is who I am. It is incredibly freeing to then make all those other decisions that come. Mm -hmm. So like, do I have to draw a boundary with this person? I don't sit and stew on it. I know. Yep. I'm going to draw that boundary because your opinion of me is not going to change my opinion of me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not to say like, I don't get it right all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
that yeah it's, that's what's like what had to do with with the 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 transphobia right thing yeah oh you're digging into something right now or you're feeling something i think um you just i mean you you always like just say things that are so fascinating and, and interesting that i always i just i just pull them in um and it aware um i end up i think i end up pulling things in to places of pain hmm. because healing um though i know it's very you know cliche but healing matters to me um being uh having boundaries and treating people well like and treating myself well and um matters to me so i think when i hear stuff that just makes sense i'm just pulling it into you know right isn't that what we all should do we pull things into yeah and when i say like someone else's opinion of me is not going to change my opinion of me that's not to say that somebody couldn't share something with me that i couldn't learn and grow from right like it's not this blind like no, I'm not going to listen to what anybody has to say. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not that, mm -hmm. but it's that I can't be rocked at my core. Right. Um, Cause people say shit to me all the time where I'm like, Ooh, I should really like think about this. I should resonate on it. I should see like, is there something for me to learn here? Yeah. Um, it's not to say that like, you don't take those, those elements in because of course I do. I'm not like, well, walking yeah. around like an egotistical, maniacal maniac. Yeah. Although no, some I, people yeah. might be like, from some of my exes might be like, she's a lot. Um, but I do see you do that all the time. You're very self-reflective when people say things and give you information, but you, you are you, and you are not willing to have that rocked at your core. Mm -hmm. And I know this because you came out as transgender in your forties. <laughs> you had obviously always been who you are, but you yeah. had, you finally had the courage to tell us. And there were a lot of people around you that tried to talk you out of it. Yeah. And you were like, I'm sorry, this is just who I am. Yep. Yep. So that tells me an awful lot about you. Yeah. Well, there's, there's lots of reasons then why we're together. Well, I do love you because our cores are strong. So hopefully maybe listeners, if you're listening to this, get that strong core. Mm -hmm. Shall we? We shall. Okay. All right. Balls of magic. We could keep going. Cause there's, there's so many good things to talk about. Um, but we'll see you again next time. Go check us out on how to be queer podcast. Actually email us at how to be queer podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Balls of Magic Instagram and Balls of Magic, the book of faces. We hopped back on the talks of Tick today. Kim, Kim are you Kim Salvaggio 101? I am Kim Salvaggio 101. Kim Salvaggio 101 and Alex, the human human. So reach out if you want to connect, how to be queer podcast at gmail.com or send us. A Facebook message. And I'm really tired. We're just going to go. I love you. <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye.